they barely beat Georgia Tech, who I do not respect. We are going to rock Georgia Tech's game. We are going to destroy them. This team is playing for Bud Foster right now. That defense is lights out. Welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Luna McRae. Welcome back to another Yak Sports Podcast, your Augusta County Sports. I'm Leela McRae, Joe Deck with me. Let's jump right into high school football where we have a couple local teams still playing and two of them played each other this past week. We were there covering it on radio. And Joe, we saw draft beat Buffalo Gap 23-6 to where in this case, the scoreboard probably didn't match the closeness of this game because this game probably should have been further apart because draft took what was handed to them and then act, and then just dominated the rest of the game all night against the Bison and, and sent the Bison pack into winter sports. Yeah, no, I, I was going to say, I was wondering where you were going with your initial statement there when you said it didn't reflect the closeness of the game. And I was like, uh, in a negative yeah. way. But yeah, yes. look, Stewart's draft had two drives go over seven minutes. Buffalo Gap had a 10-minute drive that was their only scoring drive of the game uh took them 10 minutes and they were already down three scores when they finally got it so that was the only thing that kept this thing from looking worse on the scoreboard uh you're right Stewart's draft absolutely dominated this game in every single facet um buffalo gap just wasn't ready and i i said this on the podcast last week i said it friday night that i thought this was going to happen Stewart Straff was going to come out with a vengeance after what happened to him against riverheads they knew buffalo gap hung with him last time and this was just not a ball game uh and Stewart Straff is getting tuned up for strasburg they got another big test coming because the yeah. rams will pass more they are effective when they pass so that's going to be the interesting thing how does Stewart Straff hand a, handle a two-dimensional offense um they handle ford defiance pretty good but Chase Hart's better than Austin Monroe, and that's not a knock on Austin Monroe. It's just Chase Hart's going to play D1 football, and Austin Monroe's not. So I mean, that kind of tells you all you need to know when it comes to comparing the two. Um, yeah, and, and we'll talk more Strasburg here in a minute when we have Brad yeah. uh, Faber from the Northern Virginia Daily on with us because he knows Strasburg more than we do. But, I mean, before we go forward, looking back at this game, I just I didn't like Buffalo Gap's approach early in this ball game because – you know, at least when they played against Riverheads, which Buffalo Gap had been playing really good football on the in the district season. I mean, they 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 beat some good teams. They held tough with some other teams. With Riverheads, it was 14-14, and, and Gap was doing everything they could right. And then, then they made some decisions that I questioned about going forward on fourth down. In this game, it's like they let like it's, it's like they didn't think they could win this game straight up. So they went for it on fourth down early and didn't get it. And and despite the quality of play and the play not working. It wasn't executed properly. I just didn't like that decision right there. And so they turned the ball over three plays later, short straps in the end zone. Then Buffalo gap comes on a second and 10 after calling a timeout and does a hook and ladder play. And I just feel like that's something you use later in the game when momentum and you've set things up, right. It just seemed early for something like that. Again, it wasn't executed very well, turned into a touchdown for short draft right on that play. But it just the game was over right then. And you could feel it in the stadium. You could feel it in the press spot. You just knew there's no way Buffalo Gap's going to be able to overcome because they've probably taken their two biggest chances right here, and they were it was close then, and now it isn't. And so you're never going to be able to make up those scores. I mean, on their only scoring drive, 
they use up how long did you say 10 minutes of the it clock? was it was 10 minutes it, it was a, a 10, 10 minute, minute drive. drive and then they go for two and don't get it and they're still down three scores and that they were down three scores before that drive started so it just it just was absolute fist, fist clincher for Stewart's draft they just had handle on this game the entire time as we will hear they play a I think, I think very obviously a tougher team this week that's going to be able to beat them in multiple ways or, or attack them in multiple ways. Maybe not beat say, them, but maybe not beat them, attack them. Yeah, yes, they're gonna they're gonna attack them with the pass, and that's something Buffalo Gap really didn't go to successfully and and didn't even try much at all. And then their run game is very solid, so I, I think Stewart's drafted to see a much different team this week in Strasburg. We'll hear more about them in a second, but uh, they have their hands full. I know that. Yeah, look, we'll see when when the Strasburg game comes. Uh, Stuart Strauss playing really well right now. Buffalo Gap's not. And Buffalo Gap played a really good football team in Stuart Straff. I think a lot of the Shenandoah district wasn't very good this year, if we're being brutally honest. And I think that kind of showed the golf and talent from Riverheads to Stuart Straff to everybody else. Stuart Straff is a very good football team. Riverheads is a great football team. Stuart Straff might be a great football team when it's all said and done. If they win a state championship, that's greatness. That's a great team. Um, I think they have a very good chance. We'll see. They got to get past Strasburg first, obviously. Uh, but I think Draft was playing their best football, though, when we saw them play against Loray. I think they played better in that game than we saw them play against Fort. Definitely than how we saw them play against Riverheads, even though Riverheads might be a great team and caused a lot of that. But even looking at this last game, I still think Stewart's draft looked better back in middle of the season than they look now. So I'm I'm wanting to see that out of them this week. And win or lose this I mean, if they lose, I don't done. know what but Stewart's draft could have done that they didn't do against Buffalo Gap. I mean, other than adding time on the clock, I don't know what they could have done. Man, they looked really good against Loray. I guess is is I I wasn't as impressed with them against Buffalo Gap as I was against Loray. I I liked, I just the we the saw way more they passing in that Luray. game though. We saw more passing because they needed to because they weren't getting five yards a carry against Loray. Loray actually you know plugged up the middle and did some tackling, and so they didn't need to go to the passing game as often. That clock almost never see. stopped. We almost had a we had a running clock in a game that wasn't a thirty five point game, basically. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I I don't know. I guess just my feeling sitting there looking at it, and and maybe somehow I'm biased. I don't know. I just felt like they against Loray. I was more impressed with what they were doing. I hope coming out of this game, I hope they win either way. I mean, I, I hope it's either an ugly win or a or a dominating victory. But I would. I'd really like to see a dominating victory out of them this week because then that would give me some faith to go ahead and pick them to win the state because I still have this hesitation of, you know, what are they going to do with against a team from Region A and then what are they going to do against like an Appomattox or somebody like that from the South? And I, I just still have this hesitation there that I feel like if they were still showing, still playing the what I saw out of them against Loray every single week, I wouldn't have that hesitation right now. Yeah, and, I, and to go back to my original point, you know, it's Riverheads is great. Swords Draft might be great. But everybody else in the Shenandoah district, I wouldn't even describe as good. I, I would say average at best. And I'm not trying to, you know, bury people or anything, but that's just the cold, hard facts. And that showed itself in this playoff game. It showed itself in the number of teams that made and qualified for the playoffs. And, you know, if that upsets some feelings, I'm sorry. But eventually you just have to be able to handle the reality of what it is. And this was a down year in terms of football for most of the Shenandoah district. Not all the Shenandoah district 
but most of the Shenandoah district. And I Stewart's mean, draft. Towards that next team. Yeah, and, and, and they, team, we would say, they and were they average. Solid, and I, no, I would say I they were solid. average. They were average. I think we're somewhere they around the same area. <laughs> Who'd they beat? I guess is my point. Who'd they yeah, beat? They, they didn't have a lot of great wins. I think they were solid. And I think I think their injuries at the end of the season really sure. played a big factor to that last game of the season. And I think they just get in the playoffs, they were probably looking at them a little bit different. They just barely missed it. So I would say they were solid. I, I hate to say they weren't. I, average or solid, I, I would kind of throw in the same area. But yeah, I, overall, the district wasn't as good as usual. Probably, you know, not coincidental that, you know, Loray and East Rock just left it, you know, and those were two teams that had been performing pretty, pretty well the last four or five years, uh, you know, making the playoffs pretty much every year. So, but, I, I mean, but I, Stanton I don't is a team that you. had been in the playoffs last year. They took a they big drop off. Wilson did not play like we thought they were capable of most of the year. Now, at the end of the year, they started to pick it up a little bit, but only one win in those games. Yeah. So, yeah. And defensively, they still left a lot to be desired. Yeah. So, um, we'll see what happens with them next year. Hopefully, you know, we can see the district rebound. The other news in region to be there, Buckingham won their game in a, I, I've yet overtime. to really know what happened there, but they won an overtime against Page County by one. So, uh, I think we're talking about a missed extra point somewhere or a failed extra point attempt or two point conversion attempt. I really don't know the details on that, but Buckingham advances East rock or the other upset in two B. East Rock's playing their best ball at the right time. Yeah. Uh, it, it only makes your path harder when you've you know, had part of the season where you weren't playing your best ball and you lost some games that you probably would win now. But if East Rock is playing their best ball right now, I give them a heck of a chance against Buckingham County. So uh, that should be an interesting game. Also happening to be on Friday night. And uh, just a reminder, radio will be there, Joe and I, and I believe Chip will be on this yeah. week. Uh, we'll be at Stewart's Draft covering the Strasburg game. We'll be giving scores, updates nonstop throughout the night. All right, let's talk about Riverheads Rappahannock. Not a whole lot to say about that game. Um, coach Casto did everything a football coach can do to keep the score from being crazy. He, he didn't play Zach Smiley. He didn't even dress. He had JV players running the football in the first half. Um, they were kicking field goals on first down. They were getting just past the 50 and trying to break the school record for a field goal, I guess, because they were kicking 40-plus yard field goals uh, on first down, uh, unable to convert either of those. But uh, still, I commend Coach Casto for you know not punishing those kids for a flawed system. It's not their fault that the VHSL or the region, the region makes these decisions, not the VHSL. The VHSL, this, this is national and state government here. The VHSL tells the regions, you figure out how you get your teams in the playoffs. We need a region championship in three weeks. We need a region champion in three weeks. So region 1B decides to take eight teams, knowing with who they have in that region, they're going to have some pretty poor teams. And it brings one win, Rappahannock, who all they beat was Craig County, up the road. And those those kids didn't stand a chance. And, it, and it, it it's bad for everybody. Rappahannock players could have been hurt. Riverheads players could have been hurt while they're sitting there undefeated. It's just they need to adjust this system a little bit. Maybe VHSL needs to have a little more input on doing something to avoid these just landslide games where a coach has to kick field goals on first down three or four times in the game just to keep it within reason. Region 1B is a poster child for only needing six teams in the playoffs. Yep. And, yeah. and really, you could probably get away with four but it, six at most. Yeah, it'd be hard to give the whole region a first week bye, but 
I mean, especially when you see when you see Alta Vista win, they weren't the four seed. Cent- I mean, you saw Central Lundberg lose to the five seed, and you saw Alta Vista, the six seed, advance. So yeah, it would be hard to really make that argument this year, seeing the six seed win. But yeah, the it didn't need the seven and eight teams. That's for sure. Okay. Well. Alta Vista, Alta Vista advance. They play Sussex Central. That's the other game going on. We'll have updates on that Friday. Quickly, Spotswood, uh, they advance. For the, and this is as deep as they've gone in the playoffs ever in school history. So if they win this week against Rockbridge County, they'll have gone further than they've ever gone before. Uh, I know Spotswood isn't in Augusta County, but I mean, I, I believe I'm speaking for us. We're rooting for them to advance yeah. and keep going and show respect for our area. Well, no doubt. We all know how I feel about Rockbridge. The only upsets, though, back in Class 2 were from Region B. Region A, C, and D, all top seeds won. I thought that was pretty interesting. Well, and for a while, it looked like Stuart Strap was going to be the only top seed to win in Region yeah, B because B, Buckingham yeah. uh, needed overtime, and again, they only won by a point. So yeah. interesting ball game there. But let's well, bring let's in Bre- yeah, let's bring yeah, in Brad Faber here from the Northern Virginia Daily. We're joined now by Brad Faber of the Northern Virginia Daily. Brad, you've been on with us before, but we wanted to bring you on this week to talk about Strasburg since they're the team coming down to take on Stewart's draft this week. Brad, thanks for coming on with us. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, I'm glad to be back on here. I think it's been about a year. So, uh, yeah, yeah well, I think last year we had you with some central. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think central it was, uh, yeah, central Riverheads, I think, late in the regular season last year. So, Strasburg. I think everybody talks about that quarterback and how he's a commit to William and Mary. Uh, talk about him and the offense that uh, that's coming down to Stewart's draft to take on the Cougars. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because you think of a uh, kid that's got a D1 scholarship and, you know, is already committed. And I think he actually went on an official visit over the weekend. He posted something on Twitter. But um, they changed the offense in the offseason. You know, they had been running some spread stuff with him. I think just based on the personnel that they had, um, they decided to go to a T formation, kind of like Blu-rays, but it's a little more, uh, you know, the splits are a little wider. Linemen are lined up a little wider. The backfield looks a little bit different. They're not throwing it a bunch. I mean, Chase Hart is uh, the quarterback. He's only averaging about 10 pass attempts a game. Um, he's coming up on about 1,000 yards rushing. He's pretty um, – or uh, passing, I'm sorry. Um, he's pretty safe with the football. All 12 touchdowns to one interception. And uh, the interesting thing is he's got 10 t- rushing touchdowns on the year now, and six of those have come in the last two weeks. So uh, – most of those have been on quarterback sneaks from like, you know, inside the one, two yard line, but he did have a 47 yard scramble last week for a touchdown. So he, he's got a little bit of mobility, but, um, you know, like I said, you know, you think of a D one scholarship quarterback, you think of, you know, maybe the offense runs through him and it's not entirely the case. All right. We'll talk about some of those other weapons he has, you know, I I've seen a lot of rushing stats out of them this year. You're talking about the, the I formation there, uh, you know, talk about Bray and talk about any other uh, weapons they have getting the ball out of the backfield. Yeah, Bray is going to be the primary guy. Um, it, it was kind of a three-headed monster back there with uh, you know trio of seniors. It was Jalen Bray, Trevor Sager, and Daniil Holiday. Holiday's been injured since the uh, – I think he missed the Clark County game a couple weeks ago. That was the uh, first game he missed. He's been out the last four, and I don't know whether to expect him back this season or not. I haven't really been given a status on what's going on with him. But um, Bray is going to be the primary guy. He's coming up – I think he's got about 750 rushing yards right now. 12 touchdowns that leads the team um he's also their leading tackler on defense with 87 tackles he's not a big kid but uh you know he runs you know a lot bigger than his size and he's not afraid to 
to run up in there and lower his shoulder. Um, Trevor Sager is another kid. He was a receiver the last couple of years, athletic. Um, they put him in the backfield. Um, he's got somewhere around 460 rushing yards right now and about 350 receiving. He's a versatile kid. He's another kid that, you know, not a huge kid, but athletic. And he's, uh, you know, another one of those physical types. Um, Peter McKechnie is a new name. He's the guy that's kind of been filling in for holiday. He got some run last week and looked pretty good. So it's going to be primarily Jalen Bray and Trevor Sager. Um, when they get in third down in a, you know, a passing situation, they'll spread you out, go four wide and shotgun. And uh, Trace Stanett has kind of been a guy that's kind of emerged in the passing game over the last couple of weeks. He's a receiver slash tight end and uh, you know came up big in the kick return game last week as well. So it's you know, it's an experienced offense and, uh, you know, certainly some weapons there and a quarterback that can get the ball to him. Brad, when it comes to the defensive side of the football, Stewart Stroud has a lot of weapons. They can beat you through the pass. They can beat you through the ground. Uh, what is Strasburg going to have to do defensively and who's going to be the guys that stand out for the Rams if they're able to get an upset at Stewart's draft? Yeah, it's the same. You know, it's funny. A lot of those same guys on offense, they play both ways. So, uh, you know, Jalen Bray, Trace Stinnett there in the middle at linebacker, um, Trevor Sager plays safety. Chase Hart plays a lot in the defensive backfield. He, I think he probably gets a little more rest than other guys, just given he's the starting quarterback. Um, the Coming into the season, the, their biggest graduation losses, I think, had been up front on both sides of the ball. Um, they've got a good blend of juniors and seniors there up front. They, they typically run a 50 defense, so they'll have five down linemen with three linebackers. Um, that may change. I, I don't know a ton about Stewart's draft right now as far as you know their offensive formation and things like that. If they want to spread it out, it'll be kind of interesting to see what Strasburg does as far as their uh, defensive alignment. But, you know, for them, it's just been, you know, I think their experience, you know, they, uh, they're they not the biggest team, Strasburg. You know, they've never had the biggest kids out there. Um, like I said, Jalen Bray, you know, he's, I think, 5'7", five, 5'8". Five, you know, he's their starting, one of their inside linebackers. So, you know, it's just, um, you know, just doing what they do well. You know, they, they seem to tackle pretty well. They don't... Uh, get a ton of sacks you know that they're not uh you know big in the turnover game but they just kind of do what they need to do and they're only giving up i think 15 and a half points a game right now which is pretty solid look like special teams had a big impact on the game last week you know talk about who's dangerous you know returning the football and and you know how well it worked for them last week and i, I would assume they're going to get that going again this week yeah they um it was funny because two weeks ago it was luray that kind of had the big kick returns and you know they i think their first three drives started on strasburg side of the 50 and you know, they were only able to cash in on one of those. But, you know, Strasburg kind of turned that around this past week and kind of had the big returns. Um, Trace Stanett had a 70-yard kickoff return for a touchdown that answered a Luray score. Um, he had another big return that I think put them in plus territory, led to a touchdown drive. Um, and, uh, you know, I was talking to him after the game, and he said that was his first game back there returning kicks. So they might have found something there with him. Um, and Cam Pangle is another one that's, you know, been back there all year. He's another athletic kid. He'll play some receiver and running back for them on offense um he had a nice return out to midfield he did fumble it but Strasburg fell on it um and then were able to score right there before the half so you know those those guys are uh you know they certainly certainly uh, proved electric last week and you know with Stanette back there yeah, they may have found something Brad uh to get you out of here we'll ask you uh, I think we're pretty sure we asked you this last time too but um when you're not covering football and you're not working and you're back home, what are you watching on TV or have you seen any movies that you just really think the, uh, our listeners should tune into? <laughs> I was talking to uh, Leland off, uh, off air 
there. I got a kid now, so it's a little hard to get uh, <laughs> watch the <laughs> watch much other than uh, you know some kids shows and things like that. Uh, you know, I'm mainly just watching football um, as far as television series right now. Um, not watching a whole lot. Um, <laughs> I did. <laughs> did you get sucked into that Disney Plus hole? Uh, we we downloaded it, and um, there you go. My, my wife went through and uh, put a lot of, lot of stuff on our watch list. I actually went through and and tagged all the Star Wars movies. There and you go. Things like. That. So I'm hoping to get get around to some of those, but yeah, I mean, as far as like television series, yeah, it's been a couple months since I've gotten into anything. <laughs> well, if you're into the yeah, Star Wars stuff, The Mandalorian is good. I've watched the first two episodes; haven't been disappointed. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited about that one. I just need to uh, <laughs> yeah few minutes to be able to sit down and watch it. <laughs> yeah, and those few minutes are, are fleeting here with the young one you have at home. So, yeah. Brad, thanks for jumping on with us. Thanks for being a Strasburg ex- uh, expert for us, and. uh Good luck uh, to them as far as uh, hopefully you can cover them further. Uh, we're rooting for our hometown team as well. But, uh, you know, good luck uh, the rest of the way with your football coverage and then going into the winter seasons. Yeah, I appreciate it. Same to you guys. Again, thanks to Brad Faber for joining us to talk about the Strasburg Rams and a little preview there for Stewart's draft. But, Leland, let's move on to volleyball, and we'll get to our second interview here in a minute. But, again, we'll start off with Fort Defiance. Tough tough run for them. They got swept by Rustburg in the region championship, and then they lose to Lord Bottertot getting swept by Lord Bottertot in the state. And, and that shows, you know, Fort Defiance had a tough time making it to States for years now. And then that just shows you how, how much tougher it is when they get to States, they get swept and swept and get sent home. I mean, they're the best team in the area. And I think we have good volleyball in this area, but then they get to States and just absolutely get dominated. That's that's tough to swallow, but they got some young players on that team. I know they're going to lose older, good players. I mean, the painter girl, I believe, is a senior, but they got some young talent there. So I think they're still going to be vying for state bids uh, each year, and, and maybe they're able to pick up some kind of win in states in the years to come. But yeah, you know, that's a it's a learning lesson, and I co- I know Coach Leonard will use it as much of a lesson as you can and motivation for next year to do better. And uh, I hope they do. Uh, they just ran up against a buzzsaw, particularly in Lord Botetot, just absolutely just treated them like a lesser team. And, and I know there's a lot of talent on that team that, that won't like that feeling. So I imagine they will perform better in the future. But, I mean, it's going to stay good. I think Riverheads and Wilson and, and I think, you know, teams like Draft and Stanton could return to uh, quality play. I think we're going to continue to have good volleyball in this area. And I think that'll just help Fort Defiance to be better prepared for states um, in the future. I mean, the same thing that's happening for Riverheads. You know, Riverheads still playing volleyball right now, and it's because they've had to battle against Fort Defiance and teams like like Fort Defiance and Wilson. Yeah, and for speaking of Riverheads, you know, they beat Rappahannock County in the region championship, so they got to host Middlesex, and they swept them, and you were there. Yeah, they were great games, good atmospheres, good crowds there. Those region championships and, and state games always, you know, Riverheads has good fans generally, but when you get those big games, those big state games, even more people come out. It's kind of, it's kind of the, you know, here's big time game. we we'll make sure everybody comes out and support. So it was fun atmospheres and, uh, the, and the girls showed up and played Rappahannock County probably wasn't their best game. Uh, they, they had some struggling in there. They, they lost one of the sets, but, uh, they, you know, they got the job done and, uh, got to host the state game. Middlesex, they played pretty good. And, and, and Middlesex had some really good players up front. They could really slam the ball, pretty athletic girls up front. The thing is, I, what I really like to see out of Riverheads is that they were very early, probably earlier than me, recognized Middlesex's back line was not the greatest. It wasn't their strong part of the team, and they really took advantage of that throughout the day, getting the ball to that back line, 
And even if it wasn't getting pounded over the net, they were getting it to that back line and making those girls make plays where they continually faltered. So uh, it was good coaching, good team play, good execution. Yeah, and you know what? Uh, congrats to them. And, um, you know, I, I know you're going to be trying to make as many of these playoff games as you can, and maybe yeah. maybe I'll be able to make it. I, you know, my schedule's getting crazy here, but um, we'll see. I know the next matchup is Tuesday Rapp- against yeah. Rappahannock. Yeah, and by the time a lot of people listen to this podcast, probably know the results of this game but our interview coming up here in a second with Nissa Stapleton she says a lot of great things interview I still want to include in this week even though it might be old information by the time you get to it still said some great stuff about the players and their approach and uh what this run has been for them and their motivation but they play Tuesday night at Rappahannock uh like I said you might know the result by now but then if they are able to win that game Saturday at noon at Salem and my PSA on this my public service announcement Virginia Tech has a home game Saturday afternoon at 3.30. So if you're in this area traveling to Salem on Saturday for a noon game, you might want to go earlier in the day or leave enough time for some bad traffic because uh, black traffic to Blacksburg is crazy on 81. So just that's my uh, PSA for that. Uh, but hopefully they have a big crowd there uh, Sunday at noon if they're able to make it to that game. But next we got Nessa Stapleton. This is just after the game uh, against um, – Middlesex there where they got the win in the state quarterfinal. You'll hear other voices than mine. You'll hear Patrick Height asking some questions, and you'll hear Hubert Grin asking some questions. They, uh, I just kind of hopped on along their interview time and then asked some questions of our own. So hope you enjoy this interview, and then we'll be back with the B Block after Nissa Stapleton. Well, uh, you are back in the, uh, the, the state semifinals. Uh, how, how important was that for, for your program? What did you guys talk about before, before this match? We just want to redeem ourselves. So we really want to get back to where we were and then just prove that we could play a lot better than we did last year. Uh, Last year you played this team. You dropped the first set against them in this gym. So to come out and make a a statement, kind of win that first set, how important was that? It was great. Um, All of their energy was up. They were all playing the game that they were supposed to. Hold on. Hold on. Sorry. Um, and um, just the momentum of our fans and everything, it does play a really big part. You um, you guys, maybe uh, the, the last couple of games, not as sharp as you had been at points, points this year. Today you looked like you were back to the way you guys were yes. playing midseason. Yes. Were you happy with the performance? Yes, I'm very happy with today's performance. Um, and playing, we played Alta Vista every year since I've coached, and they're just a like very scrappy team and it's great to play them so then it wakes us up and then we're ready back on it again and we're like oh we need to make sure we cover this and do this so it like I love playing like this and I think today went great would you say this was your all all told your best match of the year I mean from you know with every you know putting everything together um of postseason sure um it definitely doesn't add up to when we played Fort or when we played Wilson. Those were very good games. Uh, your defense today. Talk a little bit about uh, about your defense and, and were you happy with, with that way that your, that your girls played? Yes, they were very scrappy. They talked. They moved. Everybody was in sync. They stayed low. Um, compared to the past couple games, That it looked very good. 
now you uh, you kind of wait to see if it's Rappahannock or Rappahannock County. Uh, how how important would it be to, to play you know one more match here? Give wonderful. <laughs> um, we won it so bad because last year we got to stay here the whole time until like the state finals and. It's a good way, and especially on a Tuesday, we won't have a lot of our student section because they play football and they don't get out of practice till 6.30. Um, and just having them here and our whole fan base here, and it's so good. We just strive off that energy. Plus, having Rappahannock County again, you, you are familiar with them a little bit. Uh, make That would make game planning a, a little easier, I would imagine. Yes. Is that, a, is that good or bad, though, you know, you know, facing the team you just faced last week or getting somebody new that maybe doesn't know your style? I mean, um, uh, I, is it half a dozen one or the other? I think um, it's even either way. Um, because we played them, we can work on spots and stuff that we didn't do so well on. And with any team we haven't seen so far, we work on everything like very well and make sure it's down to the point in every, in every practice so we're prepared. Thank you very much. Yes. Thanks. So staying on here for uh, continuing the interview, thanks to Patrick and Hubert for helping us here. But uh, Nissa, we haven't been able to talk all season. Uh, we were hoping to get you earlier in the season and didn't quite work out. Uh, we were at another match. Um, talk about you know the hard district and how that prepares you for the postseason. You play against you know Fort Defiance, who's still playing in the Class Three. You played against Wilson, who competed in the Class Three. Talk about what the regular season did to prepare you for this postseason run. Um, they're definitely, they're well-rounded, they're scrappy, they're good every year, and it's great competition that we get to go against, and it just prepares us because we get that during regular season, and we just go off of that and stuff we had to work on to prepare for those teams. We do it even harder for postseason because we know it gets harder as it goes up. You played in this program not that long ago. Uh, you know, Talk about how those experiences as a player have helped you coaching in these big games, uh, particularly in the playoffs. Um just advice that I give them, um, they get, just can't think they win or they just can't think they won this game just because they're so far. They have got to work for every single point that they get um, and they have to cheer, stay on it as a team and work as a team for it to just work as well as it has been. Uh, talk about the, you know, there's a lot of success here in sports. Uh, you know, spring sports win a lot. It rolls into the fall. Uh, obviously, the football team has a lot of success. Basketball teams, uh, guys and girls play well. Talk about, you know, the other success in sports and how that uh, helps the volleyball team play at a high level. Um, I love it. It's just we have so little but so many athletes. And um, with football, girls, they'll go to the football games. They'll cheer them on every Friday night. And then throughout the week and even this weekend we had our football players here cheering us on and it's just a great little community that comes together and they support every sport that comes along well thanks for uh, being on the Sports podcast and uh, congratulations on the win today and good luck the rest of the way yep, thank you thank you All right, back here in the B block, we're going to shift to college talk and go higher than that. But first off, NCAA football, you know, the Hokies, they played all right this last week. 45 to nothing. One of us called this beat down a coming. Uh, Georgia Tech's got nothing. And I know they played UVA close, but I wasn't scared because I knew that team was a bunch of phonies. And we're, we are so much better with Hendon Hooker in. It's not even funny. It's amazing what having your best quarterback on the field will do for your offense. I'm just glad we got to this point. Um, if getting sacrificed by Duke 
on, you know, national television is what it took, then okay. Um, at least it's gotten us there. We're in the top 25 in the AP poll. We were just outside the coaches poll. Hopefully that doesn't go to our guys' heads. Hopefully we take care of business against Pitt. I think we will. I wouldn't be surprised if we handle Pitt because I don't think Pitt's that good. Um, it's at Lane Stadium. It's senior day. It's the last home game for Bud Foster. Uh, yeah, I want to I want to pound Pitt. And then again, it, as long as Hendon Hooker is healthy, I am 0% worried about the UVA game. We are going to blow them off the face of the earth. And the best part's going to be their fans actually think they're going to the ACC championship game this year. So we're going to blow them out in front of them and crash their dreams in front of them again. And the Commonwealth cup is going to get a driver's license because it's going to be 16 years in Blacksburg. And we are just going to absolutely embarrass them. And it's going to be beautiful. And I cannot wait. Yes. I'm looking ahead because again, I don't really respect Pitt. I don't think Pitt's that good. But either way, it doesn't matter if we win or lose against Pitt. We can still ruin it for UVA. So I don't mind what you're yeah. saying. Yeah. No, if we lose way, to Pitt and then beat UVA, then Pitt, then Pitt wins yeah. the ACC. So yeah. that's the thing. And look, I will admit, I think at a certain point, I'll say 21 to nothing, Georgia Tech quit. They quit. Yeah, they rolled they, yeah, they, they were they done. They didn't want any more. Uh, Pitt will not. Pitt has something to play for. Georgia Tech has absolutely zero to play for. Pitt does. And so I don't think we'll see Pitt quit. So we need to keep pounding them if we get up. Um, and yeah, I mean, look, there were a couple things that happened in the Pitt or the, excuse me, the Georgia Tech Virginia Tech game where I was like, what are we doing? Um, the, the halfback pass or whatever that was back to Hendon Hooker that a could have gotten him hurt, which I was like, what are you doing for that reason? And two, was just totally unnecessary. Just line up and run it down their throat. We're better than them. Just run it down their throat. They can't stop us. I really like the shutout. That was my happiest part of it. Like, I got busy because it was getting one-sided, and I I honestly had to rewind to a couple of the plays because I was running around the house doing stuff. Um, But I liked it because it made me be productive that we were dominating. But I liked the shutout, and that's what I kind of slowed down in the fourth quarter to watch a little more. So I just wanted to make sure we got that shutout. Happy we got it. I doubt we shut out either of the two, these teams these next two weeks. I, I think we win. I, I, I hope we win. I think we win. I, I, I would be surprised if we don't give up a touchdown or a field goal to, to either one of these teams. So I'm glad we got the shot out. I'll take it. I have the big question, though, for you. Does this mean we're better than Appy State yet, or are we still worse yes, than Yes, no, State? with Hendon Hooker in, we are better than Appalachian State. With right, Hendon good. Hooker That's in, we're like better than Appalachian that State. Me, that you really thought Appy State was, well, with Ryan Willison, we with Ryan Willison, we're not beating Appalachian State. I will say that. I mean, that that is true, though. Like I felt, I felt really confident about this Georgia Tech game, as you did. I didn't say as much, but I, I did feel confident about it. I haven't felt that confident going into a game this season. Period. <laughs> period. Like, even when we played our two Rhode Island, <laughs> I didn't feel confident about those games because we had Willison and we were we weren't good. I had lost faith in Puente, and it just. I'm, I like where we're at better now. Puente is still on a probation, probation period with me. I don't trust him. I, we're still capable of getting handled by Duke in my mind. But I just like being proven wrong that, we're, that we're, we're, we don't play like we're capable of that every single week. So I like that. I do like our changes against Pittsburgh. I like that we're at home because we seem to just go up to Pitt and have problems. So I do like we're at home for this game. Home or away against UVA, I feel the same. I honestly yeah. think we play them better in Charlotte. Well, you don't beat them 15 times in a row and become yeah. worried about the venue. 
Yeah, I really don't. One of my friends said that today about it got set for the noon. He's like, well, that's better because it's a day game and it won't give them as much of a home field advantage. Like, home field advantage. Like, I heard the FSU game had some decent atmosphere, but other than that, I haven't heard anything this season. I've even heard people make comments about they can't believe it's not better atmosphere than what it's been when they were playing better early in the season. So I, I don't really care about that. I like the noon game just because it doesn't get in the way of our football on, on, uh, for high school football at night. So I'm, I'm happy about the noon time, but I think I'm the only one in Virginia that's happy it's a noon game. Uh, well, what if, if Riverheads has a Saturday game, would that not? I mean, are they going to play we that? It played on Friday, but that's fine. The region championship? You, I know UVA and Tech are kicking off Friday at noon. Oh, you're right. You're right. It's Friday at noon. Happen, you're right. So. You're, you are so right. I keep forgetting it's not a Saturday game. Yep, it's Black Friday. I, I am rooting for Riverhead still to have a Saturday game because I think we could have draft, potentially, Friday night and Riverhead Saturday, Maybe. and I'd love to cover both. Sure. I'd love to see both. So. Sure. Um, but, yeah, no, I – Again, I, I feel really good about Virginia Tech's chances against UVA. Yeah, you got to beat Pitt first. And I, let me say that. I'm more worried about Pitt than I am UVA. I'm not scared of UVA. Bryce, UVA's offensive line is atrocious. We're going to absolutely kill Bryce Perkins. And then their defense is their defense. They're good, but Hendon Hooker is the best quarterback they're going to see. So, And Hendon Hooker has me believing. Again, as long as he's not hurt, I believe in this team. I we're going to have a little I don't bit of think... fire next year. I want to finish out strong before yeah. I really say this. But come December, whether whatever happens, like if we make the ACC championship game, no matter what happens, we're going to have some fire going into next season. This defense that was really young last year and still, Is pretty still young, young this year, yeah. they're going to be – they look a lot better. Sure, to be a new defensive coordinator, but I assume we'll hire somebody capable. Offense and then our is young. offense is rolling. Offense is young too. And, and yeah, and look, I, I'm not – getting delusions of grandeur here. We're not going to beat Clemson. Uh, in fact, if it's a game, I'll be happy. That being said, was it three years ago now? Justin Fuente's first year, it we were very game. much in a game that I didn't think we were going to be in. So yeah. yeah, Hendon Hooker is really good. Clemson will be the best team we play by far, but, oh, yeah. and, and <laughs> I don't think we'll win that game. In fact, I think Clemson will probably beat us pretty good, but I just want everybody to get out of that game healthy for a bowl game to move on a and good bowl game. Yeah. And that's the thing. I, I think we're going to be fine. Um, I, I, we'll, we'll see what happens on Saturday when we play pit again, it's three 30. That's fine. We're going to pound pit, I think. And, and then we'll play UVA and I, th we're going to kill UVA. I, I am so not worried. It's amazing what a few weeks can do because it right after that Duke game, I was looking at the schedule going, we might not win another game. And now, say, and now I, that we have put the best player in who should have been playing week one, but finally got in now that he's in and he, if he's healthy, not a single team in the coastal can touch us. I, I think it's more related because with Beamer, we'd usually just lose late and then fall apart. I'm not used to this, like, being falling apart type way and then rebounding so well. I know the year we lost to Boise and then lost to JMU, everything was at its worst, but I never, like, gave up on Beamer then. So I'm learning new lessons with Fuente because I gave up on Fuente. I love that he's proven me wrong, but I I do have a lot more faith in him than I used to. It's just I still am guarded myself. But yeah. UVA was on a bye, so they couldn't do anything to help or hurt themselves. And they play Liberty this week, so in general – for anything they're playing for, they can't help or hurt themselves because all they're playing for is ACC Coastal. This will do nothing for them. 
Uh, I know there's $4 tickets to get to that Liberty game. Uh, so if you want to see Liberty the week before they play Tech, uh, there's a cheap uh, way of doing that. But, uh, every, I mean, everybody at UVA, all they're talking about is the Tech game coming up. Yeah, it's the only game. Excuse me, the VPI game, as they like to announce. That, it. They can call us whatever we want. We're Coastal, I, we're Commonwealth I Cup think champions. We were they beat us. I think that was our name last time they beat yeah. us. Was, I think it was VPI. Maybe that's why they keep calling us that. Cause AMU won. They might as well call us Daddy because we're going to spank them. JMU, <laughs> yeah, JMU beat Richmond 48-6. to um, That's their big rock. Who cares? Yeah. That Richmond's bad this year, <laughs> and who cares? We play Rhode Island next. There was big plays. Uh, there was big plays. I was watching. I had two TVs on. I, I, I was watching out the corner. I saw it. Every time I looked up, someone was running to the end zone. So. Yeah, I, you you showed me a picture of your setup, and that's awesome. I love your setup. Um, I didn't do the two TV setup. I watched Virginia Tech get up 21 nothing. Then I went downstairs, watched Georgia-Auburn, and watched Virginia Tech on my phone downstairs. Um, I had zero interest in the JMU game because I knew we were going to win. Uh, it's not a. Uh, it's not something I spend any time worrying about. Just like this week, we go to Rhode Island, and they could play that game on Mars, and I would not be worried. Uh, we would beat Rhode Island. So, uh, who's so next? they're going to get a first round buy in the playoffs? It very much looks like, and uh, so that'll be good. Yeah, they're the two seed right now. So, yeah, and then the top four get a buy, right? Yeah, I believe so because mm-hmm. it's twenty four teams that make the playoffs. All right, Bridgewater won. They wrapped up their 10-0 season, so they'll host a playoff game. So good stuff out of Bridgewater there. I don't know a whole lot about the team. I'm just happy they're winning, so we'll keep on rooting for that to keep going. So. Yep. NCAA basketball. Joe, you watched the game against Lehigh, and I will let you talk about that, but I do know Nolly is awesome without seeing that game. Yeah, so the first half was a little troubling. Lehigh was hanging with us, and I was starting to get a little worried because I was like, what are we doing? Um... We didn't shoot all that well in the first half, but Lehigh kept turning it over, so they couldn't really, when they, the brief leading moments they had a lead, they couldn't do anything with it, and we would end up getting it back. In the second half, we were a transformed team. We played a lot better, and Landers Nolly is awesome. Landers Nolly, I love you. You are so good. Um, watching that kid play is he is by far, I think the best Virginia tech player I have ever seen play with my own eyes. Um, I do think he is that good. Uh, Justin Robinson was really good. Landers Nolly's better. Uh, Nikhil Alexander Walker was really, really good. I think Landers Nolly, by the time it's all said and done, will be better. Um, he's that good. And if that guy who is dead to me, uh, hadn't left, I think this team would be really, really special. But he went to Florida, who, by the way, barely beat Towson. So, uh, good call. I tell you what, I wish we played Towson this year. We would crush Towson. We are Virginia Tech. I wish we played Florida, because I would love to beat that guy whose name shall never be said and watch him cry. He can go ahead and stand on his tippy toes while he's shooting free throws, because Landers Nolly, he can stand on his tippy toes too when he gets posterized by Landers Nolly. That guy's for real. He's fake. I, I don't mind a little closeness in a first half in some of these early season games because, honestly, coaches do stuff to work stuff out in that time, and I think they try stuff and different guys in at different times. So I don't get hung up on the close first half. When you take care of business in the second half, that's what matters. I like seeing that. And this is kind of the last week that Tech has some, you know, not as tough opponents because then they get into the Thanksgiving tournament, then they get into the uh, we don't get a Big Ten challenge game, but we do have a um, – 
a big game coming up. And then we start out with Duke in December. So, yeah, um, or that's not, not going to be ACC, But we have Duke coming up. So we have a tough schedule coming up. So I like them working out what they can. They got Delaware State this coming Wednesday. Uh, so that's to get working. And then we have the Maui stuff going on. Uh, UVA, same kind of thing. They have some easier games, and then they have uh, tough ones coming up. Uh, they got their win this past week, and they're going to win a lot of games this year. Um, I haven't they're watched good. them play any. Even even when they played JMU, I didn't watch it. So I, they're going to be good. They're going to win a lot of games. Once they get to the ACC season, I'll have more to say about them, I guess. Um, JMU, they lost to George Mason. Uh, the, the thing I was hoping uh, Kaiser was going to be able to play in that game this year, um, but he was hurt, so he wasn't able to play there. But JMU has Old Dominion coming up. New Hampshire, and then Coppin State, who is a team that Tech already beat this year. Uh, but JMU, um, I hope they can win. I just I have zero confidence in them. I don't care who's on the schedule. When they played, they played Shenandoah the other week. Yeah, D three Shenandoah out of the ODAC. I, yeah, I still had a like wondering. I was like, what well, could they do this? You would be surprised <laughs> at the amount. Now, there's never a lot of people that go to that game, but you would be surprised at the amount of people who gets super amped when we're just dunking on some D3 kids. And I'm talking about the pep band, who's usually pretty cool. But when you're playing a D3 team, like, maybe we tone it back. Like, maybe we don't, like, taunt the other team and celebrate every time we dunk it. Because, you know, they are a D3 team. And we are an alleged no, they're, D1 they're team. Up. Alleged. No, they're coming up to play a D1 game. You got to give them the full show. They came yeah. there for it. We they're are a, in the bigger arena. Allegedly, a we're a D1 team. Maybe you, we should act you like it. Into them. You're no. the pet band you I'm not talking bad about a band. I'm not going to talk bad about a band. I'll talk about bad about them. I think that's super disrespectful. <laughs> All right. The only NFL thing I really, well, we're going to talk about two things. Let's talk about the good. We're talking about the bad. And I'm just going to sit back and let you go on and on because your Ravens look awesome. Oh man, we pounded the Houston Texans forty-one to seven. Woo! That's yeah. that's two teams in three weeks that are gonna be in the playoffs, in my opinion. One of them that may end up going to the Super Bowl that we absolutely wrecked. And I can't believe I'm gonna say this. I was rooting for the Eagles on Sunday, and they let me down in typical Philly fashion. Okay. They let me down. Yeah. Uh, but. Yeah, wow. Uh, this was a game where Deshaun Watson never really got it going. And Lamar Jackson did. Uh, look, I, our defense is better than Houston's defense. I do think that's a big factor. Um, but Lamar Jackson, again, I, I'll say it again. I'm going to say it every week, I guess. I was wrong. That kid can play. It's just yeah. a question if he can stay healthy. I can't wait till I get some time in my life, and it's my goal before the playoffs is to just go back to a year ago right now when you were just every single week talking about Lamar Jackson just not being good and not being the future and how he was weak and he's going to get broken. I'm just going to get all those clips, and we're going to have like a three Can we not take the weak and broken ones? Because I am still terrified every time he takes off and runs and then gets tackled. (laughs) I am terrified he's going to be hurt. You get the good with the bad. So, But you were wrong because you just – Oh, I was. I said he had no future in the NFL. I said, I do believe I said those words. He has no future in the NFL. And I was wrong. He's got a future if he can stay healthy. He's already had some future from that point. Like, he's already accomplishing something right now, like winning these games, going to get him into a good playoff spot. Obviously, if he stays healthy and takes him deep in, deep in the playoffs, that's really an accomplishment. But I just like that you're wrong. That's what I like to hammer on. You were wrong. Talking about someone being wrong. I don't get what everybody's so fired up about. 
I, I think the Steelers quarterback apparently misplaced his helmet. And one of the nice Browns players was trying to give it back to him, put it back on his head for him um, or down his throat. One of the two. I'm not I'm not sure what he was trying to do. It's funny. <laughs> Miles Garrett completely loses his mind, removes the helmet off Rudolph and then hits him in the head with it. It was craziness. Now, I was fast asleep when this happened in real life. Yeah. But the next morning at 630 in the morning, I was going nuts about what was going on there. And immediately you text me and say, he's got to be gone like a full calendar year. You're saying he's got to go all the way, like suspend 16 games. And I told you there's no way that's happening. But the NFL at least did the right thing and suspended the rest of the season. I think there has to be carryover. I'm not going to say he has to go eight games into next year or something like that. But I do think there needs to be punishment next year to really send the message to the league. You cannot lose your mind like this. And uh, that's what I'm I'm waiting to see on where they get with this punishment. You got to establish it, though. It's I know it's indefinite right now, but like. The well, he's already the appealing Bowl, the indefiniteness better, of it. They, I mean, they need to say what it is because you might need to draft appropriately or approach free agency appropriately. So they do need to put definite what it is and it needs to carry into next year. Yeah, look, I think you're right. I don't think they're going to hammer him for a full calendar year, but I don't know. I, to me, then, I should I'm not going to argue with should, like you said. To me, then, gonna... to me, then, no one is ever going to get a 16 game suspension. Never. On it's field, never going to happen. Actions, I don't think so. Oh, I don't think it's going to happen. So. Period. I think jail time well, would be the only thing that would stop him. They've they've suspended other guys for full years for off the field activity, but. Uh, it's funny with your trying to put the helmet back on Mason Rudolph joke that you let off with, because I know you don't listen to Dan Levitard, but that was <laughs> that was a joke that was made that was on that show. On the same wing, like, yeah, so that's the- why I thought that was especially funny. But um, yeah, no, I, I also don't. Here's the thing that you and I have talked about, and this got brought up on there, and I kind of, you know, they kind of made fun of the point, but I did feel this way. I still kind of do. Once Miles Garrett hit, Mason Rudolph in the head and Marquise Pouncey goes bananas and throws him to the ground and just kicks him at that point. I was like, yeah, I don't really care what happens now because you basically tried to murder his teammate. Like this is what happens. And so I'm fine with him getting suspended though, too. Like I'm just accepting of it. Like, yeah, probably Pouncey isn't always the greatest guy. He sometimes gets into some dirtiness. They talked about the people. They talked about the people that he and his brother have defended. Not a, not a great list. Well, these could be some like Miami players. So this Aaron is, Hernandez. This <laughs> Aaron Hernandez post conviction. Like, <laughs> not, not, <laughs> not really people you want to be defending. Like, yeah. So that's They're the Pittsburgh Steelers. They went to school with them. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> still bad. Yeah. But yeah, no, this game was, it was, an, it was a crazy way to end it. I do think part of the reason that the NFL has to come down so strongly is it was on national television. It was the only game that night. It was in prime time. It wasn't in your, it wasn't a Sunday game in the middle of the day where you can kind of bury it. Yeah. That's all anybody talked about on Friday, which is, which by the way, (laughs) Thursday night is the worst time to have a like meltdown like this happen because Friday is the slowest day in sports radio. And I know the producers of every single radio or TV show had to be sitting there going, thank you, God, because now we have something to fill our entire time slot with. Yeah, it was, you do that on Sunday night. It gets 
not lost in the shuffle, but it gets put to the side. So oh, you no. Get- if it happens Sunday night, it, it leads every morning. It leads oh, every it, show. No, it leads. No, no, no. It leads. But then you get to your business of covering eight NFL games after that. Maybe. On Friday, they'll give up the time. Oh, yeah, we got to preview these games. Oh, no, some guy tried to murder somebody. Yeah, let's talk about that and, like, just mention that the games are happening this weekend. You're completely right. Everything Friday, Friday is where people try to hide news things. Not just in the last four years, in the la- ever since news. I was going to say, no, that's it's called dump day. Yeah, there's a reason. Everybody Friday, tries to dump every news Friday story on Friday. Two o'clock is when yeah. these people try to drop this news out because no one hears it. People are out Friday night, not watching the news. They go through the And then by Monday, it's old news and no one's paying attention. So, yeah, it's the only thing everybody's talking about Friday morning. Yeah, that's terrible for you. So he's going to be spending a long time. That's good because he's one of their best players and he plays in our division, both of our division. Um, Steelers not look good before that. Rudolph didn't look good before that, but, no, um, I may have been wrong about him too. He may be bad. Yeah. I was, I was saying that a long time ago, but I, I, I guess I just don't know what I'm talking about. Except when I do. All okay. Right, well, you were also telling me that Justin Fuente knew who the best quarterback on the roster was. So, uh, come off your high horse a little bit. I did say that too. I did say that too. All right, let's get to the D block. Time for the D block. And I know you might be asking yourself, where's the C block? It's where it belongs. That's where it is. What is dominating my life? Mm. The Disney plus app. Yes. That thing's awesome. I mean, it is awesome. It has something for everybody. And there's just a list of stuff I want to watch with my kids, uh, including uh, the new adventures of Winnie the Pooh, which ran from like 1988 to 1992, maybe, but then repeated throughout the 90s on Saturday morning television. That was my jam when I was younger, even to a older enough age that it shouldn't have been my jam. It was. Uh, so we've been watching that with the kids. Uh, there's Tailspin. There's um, other good series that came on in the 90s when they used to make decent enough cartoons. So I'm excited about those. But then all the classic Disney movies that are on there, all the um, – I mean, I'm appreciative of the Star Wars stuff that's on there, all the Pixar movies – that are on there, all the uh, Marvel movies, which I'm not as into, are on there. It is an awesome app. You could spend days of your life just lost in watching things on that app, and you still wouldn't cut into what is on there. There's just unbelievable amount to watch on there. And then plus stuff that they picked up from 21st Century Fox, there's some great stuff in that. And I think it's kind of not on the forefront because it's not what we know Disney for, but they own that now, and and there's a lot of that on the app. So I'm excited even about a lot of that stuff. And uh, I used to watch Simpsons more when I was younger, but that's all on there. There's been hilarious back and forth between, you know, people representing Disney Plus and Simpsons fans because they presented in the wrong aspect ratio. And so there's been a lot of jokes. Apparently they're going to fix it. But there's a lot of great stuff on there. So if you don't have the Disney Plus app, seven-day free trial, go do it, watch it, have fun with it. And I bet you start paying for it after. And it's only like, what, $4.99 a month or something? It's really not expensive. And if you it's have more Verizon, than that. it's six ninety nine a month. Six ninety nine a month. I get it for free. Or you can buy the whole year. Or you can buy the whole year for seventy bucks. Which is what you do. Yeah. I, when you when you see how much stuff's on there, you will think it's worth it. So and like plus they're committed to getting the movies uh, after release on there quickly. Like you're not gonna have to wait around forever after they're out on DVD to have yeah. them on there. So Toy Story Four. A lot of good stuff there. So make sure Disney Plus at least check it out because I highly recommend it. And I know Joe does too. 
Uh, yeah. Wow. I got the free trial. And look, I'm not going to lie. Disney screwed me a little bit on my plan to power through the Mandalorian during my seven-day free trial. That was the plan. And then Disney Plus said, we're only posting one episode a week. Which Well, the second one's out now. Yeah, so the episodes are going to go out Fridays. The only reason there was one out on Tuesday was because the app launched Tuesday. So that kind of screwed that plan up a little bit. That being said, the first two episodes of The Mandalorian, if you're into Star Wars, awesome. Love it. Um, And now I have a question for you with your Winnie the Pooh TV show that you were talking about. Oh, no, it's it's awesome. I'm um, if okay. here's my question. Is it the one where the theme is um, got to get up, got to get going, got to see a friend of mine? Yes. Do you want me to see the rest of it? Yes. Nope. I know it. I know it. I love it. I love that show. So now I'm excited. I didn't realize that was on there. So now I'm going to have to go watch it. That Gargoyles, maybe not for your kids, but um, Gargoyles is on there too. And I love that. So the thing is, and my mom's a listener, so we're going to tell the story. She used to have to wake up and go to work on Saturday mornings. And so I'd wake up and like, we'd watch the opening of that together before she left for work. So it was like a tradition of ours. And I think that's probably why I ended up watching that show later than I should have, you know, and I was of an age that shouldn't dig Winnie the Pooh as much as I did. I still dig Winnie the Pooh. It was awesome. So it was like a thing for me and my mom. So like, honestly, I got to get her over here some to watch some of these episodes. Cause it, and it's good. And like, I didn't, I, I don't, it's been long enough that I don't remember every little thing about this show, but I all of a sudden get drawn back. Oh, I remember this. I remember this. So it's just, it's been awesome watching that with the kids and they love it. So I'm I'm pumped. I love Winnie the Pooh now and I'm a 30 year old. So yeah, I'm not going to have any room to talk there. Um, The Christopher Robin movie. I watched that. And again, if you haven't seen it, it's pretty good. Eeyore steals the show, (laughs) but wow. Anybody cares. Yeah. Um, my gosh, it's that I remember that TV show theme song, uh, even now from when I was a kid. In fact, um, you know, my cousin, uh, in Harrisonburg, we give him a hard time because my brother and I would sing it and it would drive him bananas. Um, just because we would sing it so often and I loved it. So yeah, Winnie the Pooh, I'm going to have to watch that now. Wow. And again, you're going to sign up for this free trial saying, do I really want to pay for this? And then as soon as you see the catalog, you're going to be like, yup, and I've already been suckered in. So you might as well just sign up for that yearly package because you're at least saving a little bit of money that way. And uh, you're not going to be disappointed. There's so much on there. Leland's right. And if the Disney overlords are listening, yes, we're interested in being a, uh, you sponsoring us and we'll, we'll do this every week. We'll talk about Disney plots every week. If, if you'll be our sponsor. Also, 40 sports does ask people what their favorite animated Disney movie is. And we do talk about Disney probably more than a bunch of people in their upper twenties to thirties should, um, we're a package deal, Disney. That's right. <laughs> what is dominating my life? And I'm going to bring the mood crashing down here. Uh, but excuse me. I haven't been negative all podcasts, so, you know, got to get here somehow. Um, Sports Illustrated. Since I've been terribly negative, I got to do something. Yeah. Sports (laughs) Illustrated broke the story that Baseball America had already kind of started breaking, but then it kind of became official once Sports Illustrated and some other outlets got the same information. Um, Major League Baseball has been getting ridiculed for a while now on how poorly minor league baseball players are paid 
and treated and minor uh, major league baseball's answer seems to be let's have less minor league baseball teams. Um, there's a lot of problems with that. The Frederick keys stand to be eliminated. A lot of teams in the Appalachian league stand to be eliminated, which is a rookie league that, uh, again, and I'll be, I'll be perfectly honest. I know a player in the Appalachian league, or at least he played in the Appalachian league last year and Ray Hernandez in the Braves organization. Um, and I went to the Pulaski Yankees games who, for some reason, aren't on the list of 42 teams that might be axed. So I don't know if they're moving up for some of these other teams that will. Hagerstown Suns, Frederick Keys, they are on the list to be axed. Um, I just, for a sport that struggles to maintain its relevancy among a younger generation, I realize I'm in the minority when I'm a person under 40 years old who still thinks of baseball as his favorite sport. I'm in a super, super small minority there. And for the life of me, I don't understand how you think that taking away small-town minor league baseball teams where families can take their kids to an affordable experience to watch players that their kids can watch the games, learn to love baseball. Yeah, if they're really little, they're going to also love the wacky, zany stuff that goes with it. But when they get older, they're going to be like, you know what, I had a fun time going. I'll keep going to these baseball games. And they'll keep going, and eventually they'll start to appreciate the sport. And they'll follow these guys that they watch. They'll follow the guys that they watch, and they get autographs from. And when they move up in the organization and eventually make it to Major League Baseball games, and then the parents take them to the Major League Baseball games, and they watch it on TV, and that's how you make your money. But for Major League Baseball, they look at it in such a small prism. They're looking at it as, well, we don't make gate revenue for these small-town minor league baseball teams. Let's just get rid of them. And then we don't have to pay these players. We don't have to pay as many players. We don't have to pay as many facilities or anything. Which, by the way, for the most part, they're not paying for the facilities. The owners of these minor league teams are. And they stand to lose a lot of money if this happens to these teams. And some of these communities stand to lose a lot of money because some of these communities help pay as well. And, And that's another bad aspect but for me again it's major league baseball not seeing the big picture they're going to kill themselves and when major league baseball falls behind the likes of soccer and you know other sports in in terms of popularity they've got no one to blame but themselves and as a person who loves baseball it aggravates me to no end when old dinosaur baseball people won't make the changes they should make and then the people in charge are looking to pinch pennies at the risk of killing themselves long-term. It's infinitely stupid. And you hit on the point that probably is getting me the most upset about this, is that they've made commitments to these towns and communities where you know local funds have paid for some of these stadiums. And, and it's a community thing, and these owners that have bought in to having these teams, and they're just pulling the rug out from under them. And it's just without with little warning, with like one-year warning, like, no, you, you have more heads up that like, this is ridiculous. If you want to have it smaller, start phasing it in a process. Don't just boom, cut it. And I think that that's just bad business. And um, I think that's going to leave a bad taste in my mouth that major league baseball can just, just walk away like that from commitments that these people have made. Cause you talk about, they put money in, but they put less and less money in on these smaller leagues yeah and it's more and more money from communities and individual owners and yeah that's really what's going to drive me crazy on top of what you said i'm not saying this is more important or anything this is just a big piece of the puzzle that really got me upset reading the article i believe um the one i read was out of a maryland newspaper 
really talked about well, that yeah, aspect it's, of it. Yeah, it's talking about they're going to lose two teams. Me. Yeah, they're going to lose two yeah. teams. Virginia stands to lose two teams. Um, Patrick Hype from the Newsleader put out a great article about Danville and Bristol are the two teams in Virginia that are that stand to be lost. Uh, Frederick and Hagerstown in Maryland stand to be lost. Um, and the list came out on Twitter, and I wish I would have saved the tweet uh, to send to you to retweet that had the list of 42 teams uh, that stand to be eliminated. But it, it was really upsetting to me when I saw that. Uh, I've been to Appalachian League games. I've been to Frederick Keys games. I've had a great time at both facilities, and I've had a lot of fun at those games. And I've been to Hagerstown Suns games, and yeah, that place is a dump. But I've had a good time watching the baseball and having a good time with friends there. And again, it, you see the youngsters there. They don't know that Hagerstown is a dump. They don't know that there's better places. All they know is they're there with their family or their friends, and they're watching baseball, and they're having fun. And it gives them an opportunity to watch baseball. And if you're a parent, you take your kid to a game that's not going to you know, cost you 40 bucks to get in. And then you have to pay concessions on top of that. It, it's, it's just so stupid from just a basic business standpoint that Major League Baseball, rather than, you know, helping to pay minor league baseball players something that they can afford to live on, would rather just get rid of the workforce and shrink the workforce. It it aggravates me. It, it really makes me mad. And this is the kind of stuff that when people say Rob Manfred doesn't know what he's doing, makes you sit there and go, maybe you have a point. Um, he, he just well, doesn't see the list. bigger point. And I got news for you. One of the teams that's not on this list that needs to be worried <laughs> is the Richmond Flying Squirrels because that city kicks the can on building a stadium. And speaking of dumps, the Richmond, uh, the Diamond, oh, as they call it, that place is an absolute dump with a capital D. And they might not lose their team here in this, like, axing of 42 teams that happens. But what's going to happen is these other communities are then going to look around and say, hey, we have a better stadium than Richmond. And they might... the. San Francisco Giants might just as well say, you know what? We're going to move our affiliate to one of these other places that no longer has a team. I don't understand why the San Francisco Giants have a double-A affiliate in the state of Virginia anyway. So Richmond should consider themselves lucky to have that. But then you don't want to build a stadium because, I don't know, and you're going to lose your team because eventually they're going to look around and go, we can do better now. What surprised me, one of the teams on the list, was the Charleston uh, Power over in Charleston. West Virginia. And that yeah. was one of the that was one of the best atmospheres at a, at a baseball game I've ever been at. They really seemed to understand what baseball needs to be, where it was very social, and all the concourses were wide open, and there was basically just bars and restaurants down those concourses on the outside, and you could just see the entire stadium from that spot, and then there were seats down in front. It was an awesome environment, and that's how you get young people involved is, hey, young people are trying to hit up you know, bars and, and food, on Friday nights, well, you get them at the stadium for a decent price and they get in there and spend a lot of money and then they're part of that atmosphere. Like, it was a pretty awesome thing and I was surprised to see that team going because I, I thought they had really good attendance. Um, but, man. Yeah, I, but what you're it, learning is this isn't about attendance. It's not about anything. No, it it, it's about what league is the smallest, what teams, what communities are the smallest, what do we think we can survive on? And, and it just doesn't make sense. It, minor league attendance it, is up. Major League Baseball attendance is not. What does that tell you? That tells you people are, they don't not love baseball. They just want to make it affordable. 
So you get rid of the affordable experience. Guess what they're not going to do? They're not going to then pay more money. They're just going to not go to baseball games. And then you're going to lose a whole generation of fans, which congratulations, you're doing a great job at that now. Keep this up and you'll make it happen even faster. And then when Major League Baseball is trailing behind soccer and it's trailing behind well behind football and well behind basketball and some other sports start catching up to you yeah you're down there with hockey and you're a regional thing then congratulations then you have totally solidified yourself in total national irrelevance and you'll be like the nhl you'll get one game on national tv a week and that's going to be great for you because that's all you'll deserve because you're an absolute clown show that can't understand simple business and how to grow a fan base because you're run by a bunch of 80 year old dudes who are just trying to impress other 80 year old dudes rather than looking at trying to bring in new people speaking of baseball what i need to know is or what i know that you need to know is the houston astros cheating scandal is bad for baseball too and i don't know what the answer here is because it it gets into an ncaa situation where do you strip them of the 2017 World Series? Because is anyone going to sit there and go, oh, yeah, the Houston Astros didn't actually win the 2017 World Series, even though we all saw it happen. But you can't have teams doing this. You you need to make the punishment so severe that other teams won't even think about doing this. And it's funny to laugh at the jokes and the memes on Twitter and Facebook about it. Yes, you have. And I've seen some that I have not sent to you because they're not appropriate, but they are hilarious. But why, why you leave me out? <laughs> but I, the Houston Astros are a team that I used to respect. I, I was like, wow, they built a team up. They drafted smart. They scouted yeah, smart. You want your team to be just like them. And now I'm thinking maybe they cheated a lot. Uh, and that's how they got so good. Um, and that's problematic. Cheated on computers, cheated on yeah bang trash cans bang the wall all kinds of stuff now look don't get me wrong when the yankees are crying foul over cheating i don't feel bad for them i hate the yankees i'm never gonna feel bad for the new york yankees also the new york yankees had still images of signals going on in their dugout too that they don't want to talk about but whatever that was caught on national tv in the playoffs this year so i know aaron judge doesn't want to talk about that but i only feel so bad for the new york yankees but if this continues and if this is going on and they find out this is going on in other clubhouses, then either A, you need to change the rules to just say, whatever, open season, or B, you need to come up down with some serious rules and just say, hey, you can't have TVs in the clubhouse. Hey, you can't have monitors and TVs in the dugout. You can't, you just can't. And get rid of them all. I know that makes challenging harder, but you know what? I guess I don't care. If it if it's if the manager can't tell if he wants to challenge something in game, then maybe he shouldn't challenge it. Cause then that helps the speed of the game. The other thing that I thought was interesting. And again, this is listening to Lebertard on the local hour. They were talking to a former Marlins GM. And he said, one of the things that he kept bringing up in the competition committee was to put an earbud in pitchers and catchers ears and just call the pitches that way. That way there is no signs. Now, you're going to run into problems because, again, dinosaurs are dinosaur behavior is a tendency in Major League Baseball. So anything that resembles technology, unless it helps them cheat, is going to be something that they're not really into. And so I could see plenty of pitchers saying, no, it's going to mess with me and I'm not going to be able to pitch with something in my ear like they've never worn headphones before during a workout. But I, I think, I'm not a bit, I'm, I think I, that's I, an I interesting way to go about it. 
I haven't heard this earbud thing. I'm not a huge fan of that, um, but I've, that's the first time hearing of it. I just initially don't love that idea. I don't know. Just get your sign, change your signs up. I mean, the Washington Nationals did it here in the World Series, being prepared for what the Astros did. They there's a difference between stealing signs. There's a difference between stealing signs and using video equipment to help you steal signs. Oh, and steal, but no, but use the video equipment's wrong and bad. I'm not, I'm not, but still, like, change your signs, deal with it, deal with it, make get the get the cameras out of there, get all that done with. But then still, people are talking about stealing signs when the guy's on second. Like, you're never gonna that's, get rid of that. That's different, so, and that's okay. So, but still, you have to control your information that you're showing. And so at some point, it's just going to go both ways. Get the monitors away from here. Get the cameras not allowed there. That, that's fine and good. I'm not excusing that. But I'm also saying stealing signs has been something that's as, long, as old as the game. So at, at some point, it does come back to you. If, if you're getting raked because of it, you got to do better. Yeah, again, I just think... I think stealing signs at second base is not nearly the same thing as stealing signs it isn't. using game feed or television camera. I mean, I'm not arguing with that fact. I'm not arguing with getting rid of the cameras. I'm just saying part of part of the game is controlling the information you're putting out there. All right, I'll bring it back up just a touch. Heisman House commercials that come on ESPN and ABC, I like them generally. Some are better than others. I probably saw my favorite one this past weekend i heard about it a couple weeks ago but i finally saw it this week it was amazing in comes kyler murray and inside um there's one of the heisman winners sitting there and he's like it's like his dad like what are you doing coming in so late and he's wearing a, a baseball shirt and has a baseball bat and he's just getting on him about playing baseball and then like each then there's those guys all over the room there's Mariota over here and somebody else over there all heisman winners just like yeah how could you do this you got to concentrate on football. You can't be staying out late playing baseball. And then all of a sudden, Bo Jackson comes running in, and he's like, had a double, had a triple, knocked a homer. And they're like, good game, Bo. And just he just walks out of the room. Like, and he's like, well, how come Bo gets to play baseball? And they just all just like look at him like, you're an idiot. And then, uh, so, okay, so that's funny. And you laugh about that. And then sitting on the couch, laying on the couch is Tim Tebow, like right before the end of it. And he goes, I don't even see what's so wrong with it. And everybody starts throwing stuff at him. Like, it was hilarious. I loved it. I loved that they're getting on these guys that can make fun of them. And they're making fun of themselves. I mean, these guys are in there making fun of themselves about about being crossovers and, and shying away from football and playing baseball and being hard to make the decision to stick into with one and not the other. But in the middle of it, it's just Bo Jackson doing whatever he wants. And everybody's like, awesome, Bo Jackson. You're the man. Like, I just, I love that commercial. I'll retweet it because it is awesome. And uh, it was the best one of those commercials I've seen. And uh, it made me smile. So everybody needs to know that it smile. That's what I want. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen that one. Um, I did see the one that I guess was also promoting Alexa um, because it, it it has the guys asking Alexa a question and Bo Jackson answers it before Alexa. And he's like, come on, guys, you don't even need this thing. And then Baker Mayfield says, Alexa, start my car. To which Bo Jackson hops off the couch, grabs the keys on the counter next to the Alexa, busts through a glass door, racing to get to the car, and the car starts right before he gets to it. And then Alexa goes, is he mad? And 
<laughs> Bo Jackson is just sitting there b- using a baseball bat in his hand like he's about to beat up Alexa uh, in the th- in the doorway. That one makes me laugh. I think that's my favorite one I've seen so yeah. far. You'll see this one. You'll appreciate it in the very least. All right. Well, that will close it out for us here on the X-Wars podcast. Uh, we thank you for listening. Make sure you are following us on Twitter at Yak Sports Pod, Yak Sports Pod on Facebook. Like us, uh, send us emails if that's your jam, yaksportspod at gmail.com. Subscribe on Podbean, Apple, Google, Spotify. Make sure you're not missing another episode on Twitter and Facebook. Comment, tell us what you think of things we've said, where we're right, where we're wrong. Is there something we Argue didn't talk us. about? that you do want us to talk about. Um, How do you feel about Disney plus? How do you feel about this minor league baseball thing? Because let me tell you, I have strong opinions, so I would welcome other opinions, see what they are, whether you agree with me or not. Um, How how do you feel about our takes on college basketball or college football or high school sports as well? So just put them out there. Uh, We'll get to them. We'll, we'll either respond to you on social media or we'll bring it up on another episode well, might do both. Um, but again, just interact with us. We love interacting with our fans and we thank you for listening. Make sure you're sharing the episodes as well with all your friends who might not be listening to us until next week, folks. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.